0: She wears a nap because it makes her happy. She's too
1: cool for smooth. Kings and cores are too free spirited to be restrained by herbs and oils. These queens adorn it as a natural crown of truth. Wigs worn in all
2: sorts of twists, shades, and labor.
0: You come to use the bathroom? We'll use it. We have a bucket. When the toilet get full,
1: Take our
0: scooper, we scoop out whatever we have that's in here that's full. You put it in the bed, and there you go. We have our bathroom. We've been doing it ever since they shut our water off.
2: How do you define effective? They've certainly gotten notice. This is one of the signs they carried. Are they going to change policy? That remains to be seen. They did draw some star power. The whole world is watching, okay? This story isn't over. The crowd of several hundred bolstered by thousands attending the political conference at Kobo Center. Organizers are nurses in town from across the country.
0: We come all the way to Chicago said, to, to, to let Detroit know that right, right, they're right. cutting water in We got sold out, bank's got
2: bailed out, we got sold out. Civil disobedience, not necessarily the plan. I was told they did not have a Detroit permit, but police let them continue their march through downtown and next to the banks on whom they place blame.
0: The banks should pay. We believe that we need to put a tiny tax on Wall Street who are responsible for causing the economic devastation.
2: Detroit has been home to protests over the decades, but this one on the one year anniversary of the city going into bankruptcy and still far away from a turnaround.
0: What's up, queens, and welcome to another special episode of Sisters right here on Be More Radio, where once again, sisters are doing it for themselves. And as you just seen, uh, in the past, we have had some really great uh, conversations and about the, the topics that affect us as women. And so I'm really excited because, as always, sisters are leading the charge. And in this example, sisters are leading the charge in the fight for water fillability Basics like just having a good price for basic needs like water. And while cities like Flint have struggled with poisonous water, Detroiters just wanted to be able to afford water bills themselves. And so it has been a major story over the past couple of years. And this is a course of action that needs to be dealt with because there's a lot of economic hardship, especially here in the city of Detroit. And so We have very much have got to talk about this issue. And so one such documentary film that we have been blessed to be able to get a little taste of is called Who's Water, which is about the people's movement for safe, affordable water, especially here in the city of Detroit. And so here we're going to have a brief clip from that film and then we will be right back on the other side.
1: Imagine you're on the Titanic. All of the lifeboats are gone. You have to not only find a way to stay alive, but you have to fix it so that this circumstance doesn't happen again.
2: The water facility is uh, where people have to drive in from miles and miles and miles and miles out with, you know, their water barrels. We are left with millions of cubic yards of radioactive material.
0: I started to keep all of these water quality violations every single quarter, every single year: 2002, 2003, 2004. We're paying more for water. Than anybody around here, and it ain't safe to bring. Welcome back, everyone. Our guest today that we're gonna have with us is one of the key freedom fighters standing up for water affillability in the city of Detroit for many, many years now. She is the state chairperson of the Michigan Welfare Rights Organization that champions and advocates for the rights of low-income citizens in the state of Michigan for the past 20 years. So let's give a sister's welcome to activist and water champion, Ms. Maureen. Taylor, how are you?
1: It's great to have you with us. I'm wonderful, wonderful, and I'm so honored to be invited to be with you all this uh, afternoon. Yes, the pleasure is
0: all ours. We are really excited and grateful to have you as well. So I, I have spent the past couple of days kind of uh, reading your bio, kind of getting to know kind of a little bit how this whole thing started way back when, even when I was a kid. So uh, you have been fighting for waterability and just for the rights of low income Detroiters for years, decades at this point. And so I love for our viewers to kind of know what is water affordability and how does it affect low income residents in Detroit?
1: Okay. Well, about February or March of 2014, uh, I got a call from uh, one of the city of Detroit workers at the same time at the welfare rights office. We were taking about 15 calls an hour where people were calling down the welfare rights saying there's something going on. The water department is on my front porch talking about disconnecting my water, and and it, it just came out of the blue. So when I got this call and I met up with one of the city workers, that's the first time I was told that the water department in Detroit, under the mayor's guidance, they were prepared to shut water off where a family or household was $150 behind or three months behind and at that time they had they showed me a list of uh, there were uh, 59 I never forget the number 59,990 separate addresses on a list and those were the houses that the city of Detroit uh water department were driving down the street and uh, two or three people would jump off the back of the truck disconnect water jump back on again and keep going. It was outrageous. We had already been engaged and been talking to the city about the need to develop and accept a water affordability plan that was based on income. And this was in 2007, 2008, went to council with it. They approved it, wanted a little bit of a tweak, took it to the mayor, approved it, wanted a little bit of a tweak. But we had it all set up And then it just sat on the table. We knew then that there were economic changes going on and that more and more people would be thrown into the laps, into the, uh, the depths of poverty, and could not continue to pay these rising water bills. So we had all of the ducks in place. Everything was ready. We could not get the city of Detroit to move quick enough to get things to happen, and then here comes the, the bankruptcy lie, I don't live in a bankrupt city, uh, uh, I live in a city that was bankrupted, I, just, just all of these contingent plans that came as the, the cost of living was going up and the chances of living was going down. So now that uh, there's this push all of a sudden, gee, why don't we look at a water affordability plan? Really? We have been here waiting for this conversation and the paperwork, the explanation and the descriptions have been uh, ready, and I guess they blew it, dusted the dust off, but these plants have been uh, on the shelf for quite some time, so what can I tell you, you know?
0: And I know this has been a really long, hard, still ongoing fight even to this day, and and I saw recently, even yesterday, that there has been a plan of some sort of income-based, quote-unquote, uh, water
1: affordability bill. What are your thoughts on, on that? Well, uh, there are several water warrior groups that have been involved and have apparently are being invited to review and uh, critique the plan. And uh, we have not seen the details, and as you know that phrase, the devil is in the details. What it looks like so far is that low-income families are going to be uh, rationed. You have to, you're able to spend uh, or to use X amount of gallons of water, and if it's more than that, then the amount of money that you were promised you could pay at the beginning is going to change into market rate water rates so uh uh, i can't nail it down because we're being asked at welfare rights to approve to champion a program that we haven't read yet and and all of us uh, we can read pretty good and we just haven't seen the details so we're going to hold an opinion until we're able to read this but you know we're always suspicious of a group of people uh that did not decide that water was a human right until the united nations had to come here and start spanking people so we're we're going to hold an opinion until we're able to read the small print great and it's great
0: that we're able to at least have a little bit of international attention on this issue especially oh yeah for, yes and it's interesting because during flint's water crisis it was exposed that not only was their water contaminated they were also paying some of the highest water bills in the state and That's so right. you know but everyone else was kind of shocked about it except for people in detroit who were not surprised by this at all because water affordability is a very similar issue and it begs the, the question the million dollar question why in the freshwater great lakes of michigan yes. is water so expensive
1: you know when uh, april And may but mostly april of 2014 when uh members of welfare rights were calling uh from flint were calling us in detroit saying there's something wrong there's a problem we're having up here well what what is it and the first piece of information we got was that general motors had contacted the city of flint to say listen um uh, we're going to go back to uh, private water and detroit water because this Flint water that the city of Flint had started to use was corroding the metals that we used to build cars. And oh, by the way, a uh, mayor, or uh, governor of Flint, uh, you might want to tell the people they shouldn't drink that water because it's ruining metal. And of course, you know, that email went wherever it went. And we went to Flint and one of the very first things I noticed, we were going door to door, taking water we had tons of it and one of the very first things i noticed is you know knock on somebody's door and and then you see a great big old uh uh a uh, dog uh what do you call it a, a pot for the dog to eat mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. and i would see that and i'm scared of dogs so i'd knock on the door and i'd run back down and the person would come and they'd look and they say oh we know who you are you coming to bring us some water okay i left it on your porch and, and and don't you want to come in no no you got a big dog in there no there's no dog here the dog or the cat or the bird or the guinea pig they drank the water and the pets died and I hadn't heard that before and uh, uh, address after address started to tell us that uh, there are no pets in Flint because they started to drink the water and the pets died off i i I, what what kind of people are we good lord you know oh my gosh yeah yes i hadn't heard that one there's no (laughs) there with a ton of folks before we realized the depth of the horror that was going on the children being poisoned seniors being poisoned but it never occurred to me that the dog dish and the cat dish just on the porch, but there were no animals because the water had killed the pets. I, I'm my goodness. That's very powerful. You said there's no pets
0: in Flint. Yep. In the, in the film, who's water, it perfectly highlights now that you mentioned about going out, meeting the people, listening to their stories about, you know, how this has affected them. it's, It it really, really highlights perfectly the the hardships that Detroiters face when they are behind on their water bills because of the outrageous fees that are attached to that, along with, with, like what you said, the the higher cost of living, wages are stagnant. There's a lot of COVID. You have a lot of things going on economically. Prices now at this point have to make a choice between that and, and gas and things like that. Can you tell me about what the citizens have told you over the past couple of years and have expressed? how these unaffordable water bills have affected their livelihoods in their, in their families'
1: lives. Let me tell you one of the worst stories I had ever heard, and we explained this uh, to uh, the folks at um, uh, United Nations when they came, and uh, uh, I-, I ended up being invited to Rome. I'm making such a fuss about this, as you know, others, and the Pope called and said, you got to come here, right? So I was able to take this message everywhere I could. But let me tell you what Detroiters and others have been dealing with. And it's something that I call family toileting. Okay. And I learned it in Highland Park because they're the first place that started to have problems with water bills. And here's what I found. You, you go to a house and there's a mom or dad or both and let's say three kids. And you go to the house and you're explaining what it is that's going on and their water is off and you came to bring them water. And then you learn something. And what are year old or five-year-old in the house. And mom and or dad goes to the little one and say, do you have to go to the bathroom? Yes, I do. And takes that one to the restroom and lets that one use the toilet but makes certain that the baby does not flush the toilet. Then here comes the uh, nine-year-old, eight or nine-year-old. You, see, you you have to go to the bathroom. No, I don't have to go. Well, come and go anyway. And that one goes into the bathroom and not able to flush the toilet. And then here comes the 13 or 14-year-old. You come on in here too. And that one uses the same bathroom that has not been flushed, same toilet. Now everybody is gone. Then you flush it one time because you got a bucket and you use that bucket to fill up the back of the toilet. And that's called family toileting. I cannot tell you, I'm tearing up thinking about it now. The many, many times that I would be talking to a family member and a little kid would run by and the mother or the father would say, don't forget, don't flush the toilet. And that's what Detroiters have been living in. We met a woman, I can say her first name. Her first name is Sharonda. And Sharonda was living right off of Dexter. Welfare race found out about the fact that she had no water. We moved her out of that house, had to go put her up in a hotel for a week or two, found her a place to live. The little, the, the little boys. she had two of the cutest little boys. And they asked me after we moved them in, could I go in the bathroom and just put my hand under the water and let it run just for a minute, Miss Taylor? I told him no. Put both hands under that faucet and let that water run as long as you like. And that's what two little boys did. We just found out just weeks ago that Miss Sharonda passed away about eight or nine months ago. And so she ended up with about five, six, probably more than that, seven or eight years of the apartment that we or the flat that we put her in, where the water was included in the rent. But this is what Detroiters have been going through. Family toileting, babies wanting to know, can they let the water just roll over their fingers and asking permission? Uh, uh, what kind of people are we? What kind of people are we? Yep.
0: And it definitely not even just affects the family. It affects the whole community. I mean, I'm sure you have tons of stories where there have been other things that have, it's like a ripple effect. It's like you, 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 can't afford your water. Therefore, you're afraid if you have kids in the house that you may, you know, be in trouble with CPS or, you know, right. other and, and just a bunch of a host of other things that can go wrong, all of the result of not being able to be able to afford Waterville.
1: And I think it's a nightmare. You are absolutely correct.
0: Mhm, And so I I seen at some time ago, you testified in, in front of Congress, if I'm not mistaken, maybe a few years ago before COVID, and you had a few suggestions for from a national standpoint and from a city standpoint for the city of Detroit. Can you share with us some of those suggestions that you mentioned in that testimony?
1: Well, you know, we have an advantage because in Michigan, we're surrounded by 20, 25 percent of the world's cleanest and freshest water Uh, so many residents of Michigan have never been up north to look at Lake Superior It's breathtaking if you've never seen it so we're surrounded by Huron Michigan Erie uh, Lake Michigan so we're surrounded by that so I was able to talk about common sense approaches if I have a a limited income What I need to do is to be able to pay a percentage of my income toward a water bill, and I pay that every month. That's what we introduced uh, when I was in uh, D.C. And we have taken that program through uh, Alice Jennings and other folks. That's a national project, and that's what should happen across this country. There are some 140 million families in America that live at or below the poverty level. So we are in support of an affordable water program that allows people to pay based on their income from coast to coast. And that would solve the problem with the welfare department making up any shortages at the end of the day. If we could give Ukrainian women and children help, and I support that, those men and women and children, they need help. Well, there's some Americans right here, women and children, that need a little help. So uh, I'm, I'm for helping everybody that needs help.
0: And We definitely appreciate you being the voice of the citizens that definitely need to be heard. More freedom fighters like you, of course. So we're going to go to a quick break, and we're going to continue this conversation. We will be right back with more Ms. Maureen Taylor right here on Be More Radio at Sisters. So keep it locked. We'll be right back.
1: Ooh, Tracy, look, she's going for the band. Oh my,
2: look at a scoop. Thank you! Hey Stacy, what do you think he's doing with that bottle? Oh no, he's gonna throw it in the trash. I can't look. Wait, wait. He's putting it in his bag to recycle later. Way to go, Mr. Brown Shoes! Hey, up here! Can you see us? I could watch humans all day long.
0: We are, and we do welcome back everyone to sisters right here on be more radio where i am here with activist and freedom fighter maureen taylor who has been sharing with us detroit's ongoing struggle fight to have affordable water especially amongst the city's low-income residents so miss maureen i saw in an interview you did a really really good really kind of spicy interview where you push back against this counter narrative that low-income detroiters simply maybe don't want to afford their water bills or or given a free pass versus not being able to legitimately afford the water due to maybe being on a fixed income so what what is the implication of that narrative and why do you think this is uh causing this inability for a lot of detroiters to not be able to afford the water bills
1: you're talking about that rascal hank yeah uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> you said it, you said it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that uh, young man, boy, you know. Uh, you know, we, the, the history here is in the 20s and the 30s. Here comes Henry Ford. He develops, uh, wasn't him, but uh, through his uh, companies, Ford Motor Company, here comes the assembly line. And the assembly line is just a magnificent approach to try to building automobiles we moved this thing right along and at one time the Ford Rouge complex one of the original sites was the largest automobile manufacturing location in the world just under uh, 100,000 employees at that site however many cars they made per hour in the late 20s uh, my son works at uh, uh, that same location today where they used to have 100,000, just about 100,000 people at the assembly plant, the forage plant, the glass plant, the transmission plant. Now they have just under 9,000. And those same 9,000 workers are able to manufacture 22 times as many cars as, uh, as the 100,000. So we're talking about an economic explosion and that explosion is based on the rise in technology when you have r2d2 and cpo that are replacing individuals that are working then you'll need all these people to work and these computers and this technology which is really a wonderful thing i need a robot to come and clean my house i'm trying to figure out how to get that but in the hands of these corporations that means workers lose work so we here in uh, uh, Detroit and in Flint and in Pontiac and in Saginaw and Sterling Heights all of those places that you know never forget we built cars for the world uh, not for just th- this country for the world hey. and that really took a change when technology was introduced and the number of workers that used to be at plants in different locations you don't need them anymore There was a time where technology used to enhance labor and now today technology replaces labor. And that's the story of Detroit. When we were living high on the hog, we didn't need nobody to do nothing. The largest number of black owned properties, personal homes, was right here. We had a house, a car, three dogs, a wife, a husband and 14 kids. and and, and we were we were living swell that started to change and uh it's that economic uh, problem that we inherited that has led to uh all of a sudden we can't pay for water bills when we're used to good jobs and then they took those jobs and now we have service jobs that don't make the kind of money that we're used to that's what happened
0: and that's the story of a lot of cities around this country is is as well as far as how the economic decline has an effect on all of us and so i i remember at the top of the program we talked about a little about you mentioned the united nations getting involved and being able to kind of see the landscape of what's going on here and this was back in 2014 i believe it was and yes. so then some experts came and actually assessed things and actually quoted saying that it was a violation of basic yes. human rights to deny people water based off of their inability to pay. What are, the what are the consequences for the citizens if the city does not take these calls for action more seriously? And Has there been any progress since that report was published?
1: Well, uh, Leilani Farhar was the um, United Nations Specialist on Affordable Housing, and uh, Katharina de Albuquerque was the uh specialists on affordable water and once they came here uh we took them on a tour Uh, we took them to homes where uh there was water shut off we showed them the electric blue lines in the street where uh the city department drew on your sidewalk with an arrow and pointed to your house where the water is shut off so we did all of that and then the last day they were here uh we took them to uh the city of detroit and I was worried about it, but, you know, these ladies said, look, don't, you know, they would be perfect on this show, sisters. They say, mm-hmm. look, don't pay no attention. We have been uh, mistreated and disrespected. And when we took them uh, to uh, the mayor, because that's part of the protocol, and the mayor said, we are not going to let you two white women from someplace else come here and tell us what to do. I, I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed. I, I was so hurt and uh my pastor was there and the only reason i didn't throw a chair and start a real big uh uh gun smoke uh, uh the long branch kind of fight <laughs> is my pastor said don't do it i was going oh i was so embarrassed and uh, these ladies you know they said it there and then they had a press conference and they made it clear this is an international violation and just because you're the united states of america you don't have the right to deny people water I don't care anything about your economic woes. You still have to provide basic human rights, and water is a human right. We we, we just, I mean, we were vindicated. So what has happened since that time? Not very much. We're fighting in uh, 2014. We're fighting in 2015. Canadians started to bring truckloads of water to us uh, across uh, the tunnel. And across the the bridge, Uh, 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 we have uh, 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 the children in Korea went and gathered about $5,000 and sent $5,000 to Detroit so we could buy water. Uh, uh, Folks in the deepest part of Harlan County, Kentucky, I ain't never seen poor white people like this. They had U-Haul trucks and were driving water to Detroit all around the world people were bringing water and we were distributing it as fast as we could, you know, but uh, uh, 15, 16, 17, 18, still fighting, still fighting, still fighting. And here comes COVID. (laughs) And when COVID showed up, okay, that was a game changer. And that is what forced the city to restore everybody's water and allow people to pay $25 a month. Uh, Up until uh, the moratorium is changed that even the governor had to uh, play hardball with the mayor and told him if if there are people that can't pay that first $25 she would pay for it and she did so uh, I mean it's been a human rights battle every step of the way and COVID showed up and brought the um, objective truth if people can't wash their hands Here's what's going to happen. So uh, that's what occurred in Detroit. That's why we were lucky because the disease that killed off so many of us came and saved so many of us at the same time. That's what
0: happened. Yes, the outreach that you mentioned from around the the country, from around the world was amazing. I mean, just think of all of the, the the people who were paying attention to that and actually did something about it have you
1: ever heard of something called the northern territories
0: no i haven't please tell me more. i didn't
1: know what that was <laughs> and we got a call and and the lady said listen we're coming from the northern Territories." so i said well you know sounds like that's a long way away we can meet you along the way and she said do you know where this is and i told her no and she said we're north of alaska so I got to thinking, I said, Only God lives north of Alaska. Where the hell are you? And uh, it took three days with dog sled, train, cars. And she came down and brought $10,000 for us to buy water. Stayed for about two hours, turned around, and went back to the northern territories. I, I had never heard of anything like that. And north of Alaska, where the heck is that? Wow. So, this was an international appeal and people reached out everywhere to help out.
0: Shout out to this concerned global citizens of this world from caring. Yes. So of yes. course, Marie, I, I'm sure you more than anyone here knows the issue that it's an ongoing fight to be able to just stay involved to stay engaged in this fight and now more than ever especially with everything else going on in our country right now this is still a major focal point especially for citizens in detroit that's right i, I want to know what is the best way that citizens or community members can be able to get involved to be able to stay on to what the city government is doing to be able to fight for their right to have affordable water
1: Folks can call us at Welfare Rights, 313-964-0618, 964-0618. The phone bill is paid. We need all kinds of folks all across the city, outside of Detroit, Highland Park, Tramick, Sterling Heights, Livonia. You'd be surprised at the number of families in Gross Point Farms that are quietly calling Welfare Rights, talking about my husband left me. And I'm in the house with these kids and they're about to turn my water off. You probably won't help us, will you? Of course we will. So, yes, people can call us at Welfare Rights, 313-964-0618. We will talk to you about what your capacity is, what kind of time you have, what kind of information you can share. And we have more than enough work to do, more than enough. All religions, all uh, heights. No matter how much you weigh, how much tall you are, uh, nobody is turned around. You can be blind, uh, you can uh, c- can't hear good, can't see good. Whatever the problem is, it doesn't matter. We need somebody with your skills, so all are welcome.
0: Well, Miss Marine, God bless you for all of your advocacy and, and ongoing work for championing the needs. I'm serious, championing the needs of citizens of Detroit. You are a hero in my eyes amongst our community and definitely the embodiment and definitely the embodiment of sisters doing it for themselves. Because if we don't help each other, nobody's going to come to save us. That's That's right. Thank you for, thank you so much for, your work and your time spending it here with us today. And we also want to thank our viewing and listening audience for taking the time out to hang out with us today and get a little bit informed about what's going on in our community. And so uh, we will be seeing you all again. You are more than welcome Ms. Taylor to come back anytime you want to, any updates on what's going on. We'd love to have you back. And with that, we will see you next time right here on Sisters on Be More Radio. Peace y'all. Thank you.
1: She wears it not because it makes her happy. She's too cool for smooth. Kings and queens are too free-spirited to be restrained by herbs and oils. These queens
2: adorn it as a natural crown of truth. Wigs worn in all sorts of twists, of shades, a labor of love, for the roots expressed by the child of Africa's soil. It's worth the toil willy curls aim for the sheepfish so pick a stance if you dare to take a glance her thoughts will ascend you trust me let's give her a chance a pair of shears for a share of a lock a twist to unwind the combination to the safe where the keys
1: to a heart are. Best.